Thank you, uh, Brother Shelton. Appreciate that uh, very, very much. And uh, Conrad, thank you for the lapel mic. And uh, we are ready to, ready to go tonight, indeed. Uh, our thanks also to Brother Brian for... Uh, come on through, Brother James. That works for me. Thank you to Brother Brian for the introduction a moment ago. We did have a, a good visit in uh, the fellowship room a moment ago. Uh, we did lap over for maybe two and a half years in Columbia, South Carolina. I know a, a number of the same people. We often say, uh, you know, Brian, it's a small world, but it's an even smaller brotherhood, is it not? So, small world indeed and getting smaller with uh, all the advancements in technology, but a smaller brotherhood indeed. And so, it's great that we know some of the same people and can reflect upon that. Uh, and uh, talk about uh, times uh, in the past. Appreciate that very, very much. Great to be back with you. It's a treat to be with you this evening on this Wednesday night. One more night to go in our gospel revival. And it's been a pleasure for Shane and I to be here. Uh, we appreciate the potluck very, very much tonight and enjoyed that. Brother Dwayne, thank you for the prayer. We've known uh, Dwayne and Marie for a good number of years. I was trying to remember, Brother Dwayne, if we met you uh, first at Georgia Road or maybe at County Line or uh, maybe, maybe both. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. But known them for a number of years, have been in their home in Wetumpka. And uh, thank you, Brother Dwayne. Appreciate that uh, very, very much. In our prayer that Brother Dwayne led for us, he extolled the greatness of God. And as uh, I was following him in that prayer, I thought about Acts chapter 17, verses 24 and 25, where the Apostle Paul began his sermon in the great city of Athens. He said, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life, breath, and all things, Acts 17, 24. And 25. I don't mind telling you, brethren, I still marvel at the beginning of that sermon, at all the sermon uh, for that matter. It goes on from there, as you well know, uh, down through around uh, verse 31. But be that as it may, the beginning exalts our God indeed. Psalm 147 and verse 5 says in your Bible and in mine, Great is the Lord, and of great power His understanding is infinite. Oh, I love that. Psalm 147 and verse 5. One more time. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Psalm 147 and verse 5. We normally draw on that, Brother Frank, as you well know, uh, to make uh, a point about the omniscience of God, that He is all-knowing, and the omnipotence of God. He is all-powerful, and we're right in doing so. But the whole verse from beginning to end, is worthy of our consideration. Again, great to be with you. Our theme of the hour, in His name. And I invite you to turn with me for point number one in a moment to Colossians chapter 3. And then we'll be over in Matthew chapter 28 for point number two. You might want to go ahead and mark that. Colossians chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 28. While you're turning there by way of introduction, and then we'll move into the body of our sermon tonight, Again, under the title of, In His Name. In His Name. You may recall back in 2015, just four years ago, 
You may recall that the patriarch of the Duck Dynasty clan, uh, Phil Robertson, was in an interview. And during the course of that interview, ladies and gentlemen, during the course of that rather lengthy interview, brothers and sisters, Phil indicated that the video crew out on the West Coast had formed the habit of eliminating the end of their prayers almost all the time. They were editing them out. They were always praying and ending those prayers, Dwayne, with, in the name of Jesus, or in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And according to that interview, beginning in 2012, again, the video editors on the West Coast, I assume Los Angeles, California, began editing that out. Phil confronted them on that and said, why are you doing that? Their response was they were afraid of offending the Muslim audience for the program, Duck Dynasty. I don't know, Jim, that those folks were even watching the program to begin with. But if they were, why were they concerned about offending that what would have to have been a very small element of the viewership, if you're thinking with me, I suspect that many of the people that watched Duck Dynasty were people who at least, Jim, would self-identify as Christian, even if we're using that in the largest sense possible. And so he's told, oh, we're going to offend this group. We're going to cut it out. And it was a big deal. Now, you don't have to be a viewer of Duck Dynasty. I don't know that I've ever watched a full episode of it. But the point is valid, is it not? He was right in objecting to the video editors in Los Angeles cutting out the end of their family prayers that represented the end of every episode. And the end of every episode should have been, in the name of Jesus we pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. He said, well, have you ever heard of A.D.? This is the argument coming from Phil Robertson. Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. He said, we measure time by it. And yet they didn't seem to even understand that concept. That we measure time on the basis of, if you will, that Christian designation, Anno Domini, or Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Unbelievable that someone could be alive in this day and age and not understand that. So we use that as our jumping off point tonight. We'll use that as our springboard tonight into our study in his name. Phil Robertson and that whole clan, whatever you think of them doesn't matter. They were right in objecting to the removal from their prayers of in his name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. They were right in being offended that that was cut out of those prayers. So I invite you to join me tonight as we think about that theme. As we think about in his name. And as we think about what is in His name. What is? Roll that over in your mind. Be thinking about that already. What is in the name of Jesus? And I'll offer you five or six tonight, drawn from the Word of God, and that won't nearly be all of the points that we could draw on from the Word of God to defend our proposition 
under the title of In His Name. Point number one, my brethren and my friends, under the title of In His Name, In His Name is authority, Colossians 3.17. We were there in a previous sermon. Go back there with me again. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 in your Bible and in mine. And here's what Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, watch it now, you're there, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Uh, the Greek word for by there is actually the, uh, the preposition uh, dia, through His name. Indeed. One more time. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Our English word in is from the Koine New Testament Greek word in. Ours is an I-N. It's an E-N in New Testament Greek. And it's the most frequently occurring preposition in all the Greek New Testament occurring 2,752 times. You think about that Greek word in and the English parallel in, I-N, tonight as we go through our study together. In His name is what? Number one, in His name is authority. A third and final time. You know the verse. If you don't, you can memorize it right now. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, that is everything. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when we've done that, giving thanks to God and the Father by or through Him, indeed. Everything we do in life and in religion needs the authority of Jesus. I mentioned in a previous sermon that in the name, in Greek, there's two words, in onomati, and in Joseph Henry Thayer's Greek-English lexicon or dictionary of the New Testament, he says of in the name, in Colossians 3 and verse 17, Conrad, that it means to do, and I'm quoting here, to do a thing by one's command and authority. To do a thing by one's command and authority. And so a fourth time. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name by the command and authority of Jesus the Christ. Our authority for all that we do in life and in religion. So it matters to me, Roy, in His name matters. Matters tonight. I uh, would agree again with the Duck Dynasty crew. I would agree with the patriarch of that clan. I would agree with Phil Robertson in that matter. If, if nothing else, I would agree that I would not want anyone, any video editor or audio editor or whatever editor, I would not want anyone editing out the conclusion of my prayer. And frequently, Roy, I, I use that language at the beginning and the end of my personal prayers. Dear God and Father, in the name of your son. And by that, uh, Jeff and I and Roy and I and every one of you and I and uh, myself and you, all of us, we understand that that means by his authority. 
We're praying to the Father and we're praying in the name of, by the authority, by the command of Jesus the Christ. And again, I frequently use that language at the beginning of my prayers and at the end of my prayers. We wouldn't have to use it at the end of our prayers, but I always do, Brother Frank, because it might confuse someone if I don't. If I used it only at the beginning, someone might be confused if I leave it out at the end and think the prayer is unbiblical. I would never want to offend anyone in that regard. So I always pray with it at the end, but I frequently include it elsewhere in my prayers. Don't monkey with my prayers. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Don't monkey with my prayers. We want our prayers whole and full because we recognize that in His name is our authority. And we're coming back to the matter of prayer a moment from now. Point number two. In His name is not only authority, but in His name is baptism. Are you with me in Matthew chapter 28? In His name is baptism. In Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 18. Matthew's account of the Great Commission, you know it. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All authority is given unto me. The King James says power. The Greek word exousia, authority, is the better rendering. All authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go you therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, here we are, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even in the end of the world, the age. Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. Now here, actually, in the name, the in is the Greek preposition ace, which is rendered properly as into, in, unto, to, depending upon the context. And the idea in Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20, with, again, our Lord saying in Matthew recording, again, go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, into, unto the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. The idea communicated there by our Lord is that we're being baptized, Jeremy, into the possession of the Godhead, the possession of the Father, the possession of the Son, the possession of the Holy Spirit. You know and I know that the Godhead, the Greek word is theotes. The theotes, the Godhead, is composed of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All are equally God by their nature. But even the Godhead functions differently, do they not? Indeed, do you ever, do you ever see the Holy Spirit sending the Son or the Father? You do not. But you see the Father sending the Son and the Holy Spirit, and you see the Son sending the Holy Spirit. You don't see the Son sending the Father. There is order even in the heavenly realm among the Godhead, the Theotes. But the point we're making is, our Lord said, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? By baptizing them. What? Baptizing them into the name, in the name, unto the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're baptized into the possession of God Himself. In other words, we belong to Him now that we've been baptized into His Son. Does that follow? Of course it does. I belong to the Lord. And more than interesting, Christian, the name we wear, Christianos, very literally by etymology means belonging to Christ. I'm honored to belong to Christ. 
I uh, have belonged to Christ for 45 years this past February. My grandfather that I mentioned almost every service, my maternal grandfather, the late Frank Gould, was our preacher at the Pyburn Street Church of Christ in Pocahontas, Arkansas. And on a cold Sunday night, February the 24th, 1974, I was 14. I should have been baptized, Frank, years before. I was accountable. But I kept putting it off. I was scared to death to go down forward with my grandfather as our preacher. I waited till services were over that Sunday night, February the 24th, 1974. Half the people, half the people, Jesse, had left the building. Uh, the other half were mingling around the building, and I went up and yanked on my grandfather's left sleeve of his pinstripe suit. He was a preacher that wore the same thing every week. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. Wore the same thing. I don't remember the sermon, but I remember what he's wearing. How weird is that? On my part, mind you. How weird is that? But I yanked on his sleeve and I said, Paul, I'd like you to baptize me into Christ. He was not an emotional person, but he gave me a, a manly side hug. Only one I ever got. Uh, I still remember that. And so we walked forward. He told some of the men there, gather everybody up. My grandson's going to be baptized. I was his second grandchild, and he had baptized my older sister earlier, and now he was going to have the opportunity to baptize me. He took my confession at the front of that auditorium, and he told me the best way to become a Christian man was to be a Christian boy. If it was a girl who had come forward, he would have told, this was his custom. If a girl came forward to be baptized, he would tell her at the time he took her confession, the best way for you to come or to become a Christian woman is to be a Christian girl. And then he baptized me, immersed me into Christ with his own hands. I was raised to walk in newness of life. I was baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, I was baptized into the possession of God Himself that night. I was His child. And I've been His child for a little over 45 years. Since that cold Sunday night, February the 24th, 1974. Indeed, my brethren and my friends, in His name matters to me. I had preached this sermon that I'm preaching tonight one time before I became aware, Jeff, of the whole Duck Dynasty uh, deal. And I thought, when I heard about that, that would make a good little introduction. That got quite a bit of attention in 2015 about something that had happened three years earlier that we knew nothing about. And so you think about that tonight. You think about our introduction you keep thinking about our points. You keep thinking about how important it is to know what is in His name. What is in the name of Jesus. Because in His name is authority, Colossians 3.17, and in His name is baptism, Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. Point number three, my brethren and my friends, go with me to John chapter 20, the gospel of John chapter 20. Point number three, in His name is life. In His name is life. The very first verse I memorized as a student at Harding College in the late 1970s, I don't know why I didn't mem uh, memorize it before, Brother Frank, but the first passage I was required to memorize was John 20, 30, and 31. 
Here it is. I, again, I, I've known it ever since, but I should have known it before. And many other signs, John 20, 30 and 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Watch it now. But these are written. What? But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life. The King James says through his name, but the Greek word is in, E-N. That you might have life in his name, the concluding clause of our verse, John 20, 30 and 31. One more time. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Stop right there. I'm going back for a purpose. We have, there's always a debate, Jeff, about how many parables were actually told by our Lord. I, I don't think, I, I've probably got 15, 18 books on the parables in my, my library. And I don't believe any two agree on the number of parables that were told by our Lord. But everyone agrees that there were 35 miracles performed by Jesus that we have a record of. 35 miracles performed by our Lord. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. You think he did more than 35, Brother Shelton? Well, no doubt about it. I have no idea. I suspect he did thousands. But these are written. Why? Why, John, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. Authority is in his name, point number one. Baptism is in his name, point number two, Matthew, again, 28, 18, 19, and 20. And in his name is life. No doubt, that's why we also have in our Bibles John chapter 10 and verse 10. And where our Lord said, just in part, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I'm come, uh, in fact, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And we talk about the abundant life of John chapter 10 and verse 10. Consider the beginning of the gospel of John back in chapter 1. John 1, 1 and following. Look at it now. John 1, 1 and following. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Here we are now at verse 3. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Here we are now, verse 4. In Him was life. What? In Him was life. In, there's our word again, E-N in Greek, I-N in English. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. John 1, 1 through 5, with emphasis on verse 4. In him was life. Indeed, in his name is authority. In his name is baptism. And in his name is life. The very spiritual life that we enjoy this very hour, Aubrey, is found in him. And I am so grateful for that. Point number four, dear brethren and friends. Point number four, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And point number four, in his name is justification. In his name is justification. Take a quick gander at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And let's know verses, uh, we can't get it all. Let's just start uh, 
at verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. Look at the list now. And I'm going to be quoting in part here from the New King James Version. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Stop right there. In fact, the New King James, in my judgment, I'll qualify it as my judgment. The New King James, in my judgment, has the most literal translation of our English Bibles at verse 9. The King James, and I put a little paper clip here to flip over, has nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. There are two Greek words there that are rendered by that multiplicity of English words in the King James, but more literally rendered in the New King James. Look at it one more time, just verse 9, and then we'll move forward. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, down to verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, here we are now, but you are justified by the name, what? By the name or in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. But you are washed you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In the name. In His name is justification. In His name is justification. And that matters. To be justified biblically is to be declared righteous. To be declared righteous. And that happens, of course, at the moment of our baptism into Christ. But the point we're making is that in His name is all of these things and more that we will note before our time is up tonight. In His name is our authority for all that we do in life and in religion, Colossians 3.17. In His name is baptism because we're baptized into the possession of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28 and verse 19. In His name is life, John 20, 30 and 31. The spiritual life that we have right this moment. And in His name is justification. Even all of those folks who had Brother Dwayne involved themselves and all those horrendous sins, the list found right there. Justification was still available. Think about that in light of the church of God as they referred to in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2 under the church of God. What? Think about all of this in light of the church of God at Corinth and all that they had prior to their conversion been involved in. They were fornicators. Some of them were idolaters. Some were adulterers. Some were homosexuals. Some were sodomites. Some were thieves. Some were covetous. Some were drunkards. Some were revilers. Some were extortioners. There's that list again. And he said, and such were some of you. I don't know how many people, Brother Frank, and Frank's been preaching uh, quite a bit longer than me. I'm sure he's heard it more often, but how many times, Brother Frank, someone said to me, well, Brother Mel, you just don't know about my past life. I used to hold hands with the devil. And I said, you know, if you're willing to give all that up, 
and you're willing to render full, complete obedience to God and consummate that in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, then you can be like the Corinthians of old. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Again, verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And aren't we grateful for that? I know that we are. You think about your life tonight. Does in His name matter? Yes, it matters. It matters relative to authority. It matters when we're talking about baptism. It matters about spiritual life. And it matters concerning the justification, James, that I share with you this very hour. I don't know about your past life. And I, I don't know that I need to know about your past life. But could it have been any coarser or uglier or more immoral, Jim, than what we see right here? I kind of doubt that. Jeremy, that's a pretty complete list, is it not? Covers a lot of ground. And Paul said, here's what happens in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Brethren, I believe that with every fiber of my being. With every fiber of my being. Point number five tonight, my brethren and my friends, and I mentioned we would come to this. We already alluded to it. Point number five, in His name is prayer. In His name is prayer. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5 and then back to the Gospel of John chapter 16. Ephesians chapter 5 and then the Gospel of John chapter 16. A couple of many proof texts that we could put before you relative to point number 5 under the title of In His Name. In His Name is Prayer. And I believe that as you do. And I believe that as you do. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians 5 and verse 20, my brethren and my friends. He said, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. Some translations in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at that. Look at that. What? Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. We give our thanks to the Father, and we do so in the name, by the authority of Jesus the Christ. And I am so grateful for that, that I have the avenue of prayer. We've used it tonight. Uh, I've used it uh, individually uh, throughout the day, as you have as well. And uh, Shane and I will use it later tonight. Uh, I believe Brother Tim led our prayer before the meal. Uh, and so we used it then. We've used it again during our service here. Brother Dwayne led us in prayer. We have availed ourselves of the avenue of prayer. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am so grateful that I have the avenue of prayer. I don't mind telling you, I believe in prayer and providence. And I believe in providence and prayer. If I didn't believe in providence, I might struggle with the matter of prayer. And if I didn't believe in prayer, there's absolutely no way I would believe in providence. But I believe in the providence of God. Now, I was told that the marvel, and I believe this is right, over many decades ago, that the marvel of providence is that you can't lay your finger on any one thing and say this is definitely an, an act of God. But God is still working as Brother Wayne Jackson says he's working behind the scenes. He's not working miraculously, but he works providentially. He works providentially through his creation. 
And so we don't have to be able to point to something and say this was definitely a work or an act of God. But I wouldn't deny, I wouldn't die, deny, I wouldn't doubt, let me get that out right, I wouldn't deny or doubt that God is still powerful and still working, just not miraculously, but providentially, indeed. And so I believe in prayer, and I believe in providence. My 82-year-old mother, Frances Ann Futrell, she'll be 83 uh, in October, in uh, 1961, her third child, my younger sister, was born at the Randolph County Hospital in Pocahontas, Arkansas. That hospital, uh, it's a nursing home now, still stands across from my grandparents' old house. My sister had some issues at birth, and this was 1961. This was a, a very rural hospital. They didn't have a lot of specialization in anything. The doctor, who I knew uh, over many years later as an adult, uh, a nice man in his own right, but he... he he messed up when he was delivering my sister. And uh, he cut an artery in her leg. And he covered her up. And it was just going to let her bleed to death. And my mother, I'm telling all this to make the point, my mother overheard two nurses talking outside her door. And said, we just can't stand with Dr. Scott on this. This can't be right. He's going to let the little girl die. And so my mother, why my dad wasn't there, I don't know. If you see him, don't bring it up. Uh, he, but <laughs> he was out of town. My mother called her father-in-law, my Paul Futrell. He came over there, took my sister. I'm a year old. I'm a year and six days older than I. Took my sister out of the hospital. Shana works at Brookwood Baptist. Try taking a baby out of there and see if you don't end up on the ground with your hands behind your back and you're cuffed and maybe someone on your neck. Uh, uh, my grandfather came in there and took my little sister, Christy, who's a faithful Christian in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Her husband's an elder at the Boiling Springs Church of Christ in South Carolina. Some of their members are going to worship with us this Sunday morning at Shades Mountain. He took my sister out of the hospital and drove her to Memphis, Tennessee. Even to this day, Memphis is a hard hour and a half, for most people two hours. He burned his car up getting her over there. Burned the engine up getting over there and saved her life. I said all of that long way around the barn. You don't want to argue with my mother about the providence of God and try to deny that that was the providence of God. Now, she will say, I know that was God's providence. I heard, I was on drugs, and I heard those nurses talk about what the doctor had done. No, you wouldn't want to argue with my, with my mother about that. I believe in prayer. I believe in praying in His name. And I believe in the providence of God, like I believe I'm alive this very moment. Go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, as we wind down, again, as our time is about up, as we wind down point number five of six points I want to put before you. Take a quick gander at John, chapter 16, I believe it is. Yes, uh, let's just get one verse, again, to go along a parallel to Ephesians 5 and verse 20 here from the lips of our Lord. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Now, if you look at the context, John 16 and verse 23, that day is when our Lord has ascended back to his father. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you, shall, whatsoever you shall ask the father in my name, he shall give it unto you.
What? What did our Lord say? And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, truly, truly, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he shall give it unto you. In my name. So prayer is in his name. And aren't we so grateful for that? I'm honored to pray to my heavenly Father and address him as our Lord taught his disciples to pray. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Matthew 6 and verse 9. And to be able to pray to my heavenly Father and to be able to do so, Conrad, in the name of his Son, God the Son, is an honor to me every time I pray privately publicly, when my wife and I pray together, whatever it might be, when I am in prayer, there we are. And I'm praying to the Father, and I'm praying in the name of His Son, and I'm so honored to do so because in His name matters. Point number six, and finally tonight, my brethren and my friends, in His name, and you know we had to end here, even though there's more points I could add in between. In His name is salvation. Go with me to Acts chapter 4 and then to 2 Timothy chapter 2. In His name is salvation. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, here's what you'll find. Neither is there salvation in, E-N in Greek, I-N in English, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name. Your translation may have no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you will go back, Two verses to verse 10 of Acts chapter 4, you will find that name. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There's the name, Acts 4 and verse 10. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so, think about that. Circle that. Underline that. Highlight that. Mark that. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That exclusivity, Jeremy, oh, it delights me, and yet it, it's offensive to most of the world, is it not? Bring it up and see what kind of response you get. That kind, Jim, that kind of exclusivity turns people off, and you know what? I'm going to keep on doing it. I'm going to keep, I'm never going to give up on the exclusivity of the name of Jesus the Christ. You could have a gun to my head. Oh, I've had people say, Jim, you don't know that, Brother Mel. Let me tell you what, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. If we die tonight, I'm going to heaven. Tomorrow night, I'm going to heaven. Ten years from now, 40 years from now, if I'm still alive, when I die... I'm going into Abraham's bosom. I'm going to paradise. On that last great day, I'm going to uranos, the Greek word for heaven. I'm going to heaven. But if I were going to go to hell, it's not going to be for denying the exclusivity of the name of Jesus, that salvation is in his name. It's not going to be. It's not going to happen. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10. Therefore, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, connecting that to Acts chapter 4, verse 12, and back to Acts 4 and verse 10. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake. Why, Paul? Why do you do that? That they also 
may obtain the salvation which is in, E-N, I-N, in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Salvation is in His name and in His name only. I use that verse when I'm talking to my Mormon friends who knock on our door from time to time. In whose name is salvation? Who is the founder of your church? When I talk to Muslims, yes. Again, Acts 4.12, back to Acts 4.10, 4, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 10, indeed. Fear not, my brethren and my friends. Let us draw on the Word of God. Life is short. Death is sure. Eternity is forever. I'm going to heaven. It's not I hope to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I believe in the promises of God for the faithful. And I believe, as you believe, that one day you and I will hear the Father, actually the Son, say, Come ye blessed of my Father. Come ye blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What our Lord will say and what we will hear our Lord say on that last great day. In His name matters. It matters in authority. It matters in baptism. It matters in life. It matters in justification. It matters, my brethren and friends, in prayer. And it matters in salvation. And it matters even beyond that. In His name. Never be ashamed of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If someone slights the Lord in your presence and you have the opportunity to lift up your voice and say something kindly yet directly, then do it. Do it. Do, ne do not ever allow that to happen in your presence when you have the opportunity to state forth again lovingly, kindly, yet boldly and directly that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And my salvation is in Him and in Him alone. And one day, heaven will be our home. Time is up. Good to be with you straight up and down 8 o'clock. Thank you for your presence here tonight. A wonderful number on a Wednesday evening. A delight to be with you. My plans now are to preach tonight under the title of Overcoming Temptation. Overcoming Temptation. In fact, I, I don't uh, imagine, I can't imagine that I would change my mind on that. I'll uh, be using the PowerPoint again. And so we'll have that before you. Overcoming Temptation. What might we do? How might we do that? We'll be very specific tomorrow night looking at a number of things that we can do very practically, of course, always biblically and honorably to aid us in overcoming temptations that come our way. Hope you'll come back 7 p.m. tomorrow night and join us then as we sing together in His name, pray together in His name, and study His Word in His name. Can we help you with the matter of salvation? As a child of God, can we help you be restored to your first love? Like the church at Ephesus was pleaded with by John in Revelation chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. 
remember now from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come to thee quickly and remove thy candlestick from out of its place except thou repent. Revelation 2 and verse 5. Can we help you be restored to your first love? He'd already told them, but this I have against you, that you have left your first love back in verse 4. And so that is our plea. That is our appeal tonight. You can be a child of God, but be wayward. You might have departed from the faith, erred from the truth, left your first love, but the opportunity is available tonight to you to make that right. Don't be too proud. Don't be too ashamed to do what is right and to make it right this very night. Can we aid you in being baptized into Christ? I'm ready tonight. Brother Frank is ready. The water is ready. We'll invite you to come, repenting of your sins, confessing his name that we've talked about tonight. And then allow Brother Frank to immerse you for the full forgiveness of your sins. We love and appreciate you. If we can aid you, help you in that matter, won't you let us know right now as together we stand and as we sing. Within demanding, whose is a voice I hear? Sweetly the tones are falling. Open the door for me. If thou wilt heed my calling, I will. If thou wilt heed my